Am I on? <clears throat> Bless the Lord. <laughs> Do you know, we really could just go home right now. God's already spoken so clearly uh, this morning. Um, sorry, I'm just getting my timer up here. I'm not answering calls or anything like that. Oops, sorry. Um, setting timers here for myself. Yeah, it's going off already. Yeah. Um, I, I really appreciated the prophetic words. Oh, first of all, I have to say this. Uh, Mark forgot a birthday today. Uh, is a, the love of my life uh, is turning young again. Uh, it's Dell's birthday on Tuesday, so. Amen. <laughs> um, yeah, I love you, baby. <laughs> I, no, 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 I couldn't. She makes me shake. <clears throat> um, I, I, um, sorry. I, um, was just... <clears throat> struck with the prophetic words that came today because uh, something that's been resonating in my heart and I, I want I really believe that it is a prophetic word is that uh, you know when David faced Goliath he went with the sling and he defeated Goliath and then he picked up Goliath's sword and cut his head off and never again did he fight with the sling. He fought with the sword. And I think that for you and I, the message, there's a message for us in everything. And that is the authority that God gives us to win a battle. That's that we lay down the sling and we walk with the sword in our hand. Because he wants us to win the battle, and we need to not shrink back and revert back to the sling. We need to we need to to say, okay, Lord, it's tough, but your promise to me is yes and amen. And no matter what battle I'm facing, no matter what it looks like, your word tells me that I'm part of something great, your kingdom, because in the end, his kingdom will rule and reign. And it needs to start in, in our life. Every day when we wake up, we put down the sling and we pick up the sword. Because that's what he's called us to. Amen? Yes. So I speak that to you in love. I believe God is calling us. It, it, we go through the, the trials and the circumstances that we face. <clears throat> that allows us to graduate to what? He has in us because we're not overcome by them. We walk into his victory. And sometimes in the midst of it, even I, I appreciated Sherry's heart today. And that's a man I could follow. And that's a man I could follow. Sherry, I love you. Thank you so much. And, you know, we don't have to have it all together, but we do have to have one thing. We have to have a heart that, that runs after God after his desire and what he's doing. And so, <clears throat> that's not my message, but... Uh, exactly what it means. 
I really felt like that was a word that was just burning in me. And then uh, Alex got up and shared that, and Jerry was sharing, and what the Moses soul fish, like, man, I mean, you can't get any plainer what God is speaking. And we just have to have ears to hear and a heart that's open to what he's saying. So thank you, Lord. Would you just stretch your hands out towards me, and let's just pray for the word this morning. Father, I thank you. You just once again hide me behind the cross and who you are, Jesus, who you are, Lord, because we came here to meet with you and to hear from you, not from man, not from ideals or ideas, but your word. Let it speak to us, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about cultivating, <clears throat> cultivating eternal relationships. I feel like, you know, in terms we've been, we've been talking about stewardship, <clears throat> relationships needs to be at the top of the list because we do life together. And God has not called us to temporal. We were born into the eternal. Did you hear me? Sorry. We were born into the eternal. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would be, would, uh, thank you, thank you, (laughs) but have eternal life. Would have eternal life. He's called us into eternal relationships with one another. He's not called us into, um, into ladder climbing and, Going against, he's, he's called us together alongside him. And I really believe, like, <clears throat> I was looking at my notes and I, I just felt like maybe I had reversed the order of what he wanted me to speak about. But um, I'm just going to go for this because it's all, it's all from the throne room. <clears throat> How are we supposed to build our relationships in the body of Christ? With Eternal (coughs) intentions. We do life eternally together. As believers, we certainly will be in eternity together. I'm firmly convinced God desires us to prepare to the end here. And know his word confirms this. That we are called into diverse, different, but intentional eternal relationships. That's what we're called to be. 1 Peter 2.9 says, we're a royal priesthood. That means we're favored. We're chosen. We're selected. A royal priesthood. Romans 8.17 says, we're joint heirs. That word joint heirs is a co-heir. Together. Everybody say together. Yeah, we're in this together. Participants in common. That's what it means. We participate in this commonly together. I, I was so thrilled because the body is at work here in Trinity when I've heard of three incidents just this week where people came to know Jesus. While the service was in order, sitting out in a car, in a coffee shop, Trinity, people in this congregation are discipling. 
people are doing the eternal work of God. And that is powerful. That's what, that's what it's supposed to be. God doesn't look at the numbers. He looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. And I really believe that um, one of the, the main things that he's called us to is to honor one another. It's the, it's the, greatest, it's the greatest weapon the church can have is that in our house, it becomes an, a, a house of honor. And so if you'd go with me today to uh, Romans chapter 12, we start at verse 9. And when it comes to honor, I could go all over the word. It's, it's full of this. It's, it, because it's the heart of God, it's who he is. And isn't it awesome that he actually calls this royal priesthood? And, you know, a priesthood, I mean, a royalty is honored. When it comes in the room, I mean, we get silly, you know, in the flesh sometimes about when somebody who we, you know, we esteem, and yet it... It, when it comes to the spiritual and what God desires for the heart, the house of God is that we would esteem and honor each other because that's his heart. That's how he loves. So let's look at verse 9 and we'll read Romans 13, verse 9. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, and continually steadfast in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. Bless those who curse you and bless and do not curse. Verse 9 says, love is to be sincere and active. It's supposed to be the real thing without guile and hypocrisy. It says we're not supposed to hate what is evil. It means detest all godliness and do not tolerate wickedness. Verse 10 says, be devoted to one another with authentic brotherly Affection, if you read it in the Amplified, as members of one family, giving preference to one another in honor. Uh, honor's definition, the Greek word time, <laughs> that's pretty powerful in itself, right? It's the value. It's uh, concretely and collectively valuables, Treat, teaching each other as valued and esteemed, especially of the highest degree, to dignify itself, honor preciously. And uh, the usage is honor and price and sum and precious. Jesus paid the price for us to live in eternal relationship with him and with each other. And I was struck by something I heard uh, this week. Um, uh, uh, Graham Cook said that, you know, in the church, when we 
when we walk in unforgiveness and when we walk in, as believers, in, in um, unforgiveness and offense and selfishness, we in, we in essence are stepping over the cross, stepping over the cross and forgetting the work of the cross and what it's done for us. And I know that's hard, but it's the truth because what Jesus did, what Jesus did for us is powerful. The fact that he laid it down so that not only could we have intimacy with him, but he called us into intimacy with each other. Are we okay? Amen. I'm not, I'm, I, hear me, you know, I'm a learner as well. And so when I, when I, when I preach this, it's, but I come, I believe the heart of the father is us to be knit together. And I think we can do this so much better than what we're doing. And I know I can do this so much better. And so I sit here humbly to say, Lord, teach me. Teach me, shed off the things that are, that are hindering me because we're called together in this. And I believe when the world looks at the church and, he's, uh, and he sees the change that's coming to the church, and I speak that by faith, that we're together, that we're walking together, we're unified, we don't, we're not judging, we're not esteeming, we're not uh, buying for positions, we're not, whatever, you, whatever it is, whatever it looks like, that we're esteeming one another in Christ. And uh, not stepping over the cross of what he's done. You know, in times of, I mean, the word is so rich in terms of how we are to, you know, esteem each other and care for each other. Weep with those who weep. I mean, God was so thorough throughout his whole word when he was speaking to us. And he's saying it again by his spirit. We need to esteem to the highest degree, to prize, to set a high value on, to regard with reverence and respect our friendship. When our minds are not biased, we always esteem the industrious, the generous, the brave, and the virtuous. Verse 11 says, we're never lagging behind in diligence. We're aglow in the spirit, says the Amplified enthusiastically serving the Lord. Serve the Lord fully and serve one another fully. Amen? That's what he's called us to. You know, uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 6, verse 5, there was a man by the name of Stephen. I read this story again last night just to <clears throat> refresh myself because, Steve, you know, Stephen rose up and he became a great and mighty man full of the Holy Spirit. That's what the word said. And uh, the, the way he started was there was a need that needed to be fulfilled. The widows, the Hellenistic widows were being overlooked. It wasn't intentional. It was just one of those things. But they raised up seven men who would go and feed and take care of tables and serve tables and serve the widows. Powerful. There's something when we're just willing to serve. God comes, and if we would just catch the heart of the servant, like, like Stephen did, and then Stephen was able to stand and, and, and prophesy, and you know, even that they came before him. They came before him, and they, they were attacking him. 
And he, he laid out the whole history of Israel, of every time when God gave them um, the opportunity to humble themselves. He laid it out. If you go read it in, in, in Acts chapter 6, he laid out historically every opportunity where God said, trust in me, make me your God, make me turn to me. And still they rejected him, Stephen. And then Jesus came. And he preached Jesus, and he was martyred because of it. But forever, his story has been gone down through the ages of this man full of the Spirit who started out in service. Can you imagine if we just stayed in service, if we just served one another? The fullness that would come. There is, there is holiness and the presence of God attached to the servanthood part. And when we knit, when he knits it together, time and time again we've seen how he's raised up people because they started as servants. And even, we never are to get rid of that servanthood heart. We're called into that. And honor, I believe with all my heart, honor, and his word says it, Honor is continued because a servant heart is present. Because we're not, we're not interested in our own needs. We're not interested in what, what, what we're taking care of for ourselves. But we're looking to others to make sure that God is working in their life. And when the, church, when, when the world sees the church acting like that, they're going to want to be part of it. Amen? Amen. Verse 12 says, constantly rejoicing in hope because of our confidence in Christ. Steadfast and patient in distress, devoted to prayer, continually seeking wisdom, guidance, and strength. And verse 13 touches on hospitality. The word hospitable is... uh, Philonexia, I believe I got that right. Uh, Hospitableness, entertaining strangers. Entertaining strangers. Isn't that powerful? God's called us to that. When the world sees how we, the church, care for each other to the depth God intended, they will want that. Covenant, Covenant relationships go back right to the very beginning. You can go and read in Genesis. You know what? When two people walked in a covenant relationship together, they would take a bull and they would cut the bull from head to toe right down the middle. And they would lay the the halves out. And then together, the two people walking in covenant relationship would walk through the two halves And then they would look back and they would look at what they walked through. Powerful picture. That's what God's called us to. You know, if you you think about it, I mean, it would be... I remember I I went deer hunting with a friend up in the Kootenays. And uh, when he sliced open that deer and cleaned out the guts, oh man, I couldn't couldn't eat. It was just... It was disgusting. (laughs) 
Yeah, and I mean, I know, I know you got to cook it. I like my my meat rare, though, you know, like, you know, it's, I like, I'm on the Noah diet. You know, two of every kind of animal on my plate, so. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. I know, I know. But they would walk through the bull, the mess of this animal, blood and smell, and it's a mess. But they would walk through it together. And that's what covenant relationship is. Jesus paid the price on the cross. He shed his blood. He was broken. He was spilled out so that we would walk through the co- with covenant relationship together. And a covenant relationship doesn't easily get swayed, but it says, I'm committed to you. No matter what the mess, no matter what you're facing, no matter what I'm facing, I'm not going to look at your mess. I'm going to look at eternity in you. I'm going to look at what God has put in you and what he's put in me. And we'll walk this together because it's what he's called us to. Do you hear me this morning? Do you hear the voice of the Lord this morning? I have to own my mess. And you have to own your mess. But we walk through this together. Giving room to grow. Fighting off the need to fix each other. But loving and supporting, showing grace and mercy, because mercy is the very characteristic of God. Mercy is the very characteristic of God. And he showed it to us so that we would show it to each other. Be committed to the process. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, be steadfast and immovable, committed. He's called us to honor, to esteem. And I think, you know, we touched on it with this covenant, but the second thing that that I really believe is that in our day in the church, we need to be righteousness conscious and not sin conscious. We need to be righteousness conscious and not sin conscious. If I'm living to please Jesus because I fell in love with him, I'm not just trying to not sin. I'm not sinning because my focus is on drawing close and intimate to Jesus. I'm doing everything I can to give him my all because I'm so deeply in love with him. Romans 6, 5 and 9 talks about the sinful man. The sinful man is dead. You're not a sinner anymore. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the sinful man is dead. Amen? You know, this, this, this alone... This is something we need to go look because I know I went to Bible college and it wasn't until later, later, later on that I actually understood 
what Paul was trying to get to us by the Holy Spirit. Because if all we're trying to do is be sin-free, then we're going to fail. But we have to realize, if, we're, if we have a sin habit, God can take care of the habit. But our focus needs to become the fact that you and I, we are dead in Christ. We were nailed. The word says in, in the, uh, Romans 6, 5, it says, we were nailed to the cross with him. That's powerful. Let's read it. Let's read it so I can just show you from the word. 6, 5, verse 9. Or 6, sorry, 6, 5 to verse 9. It says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall, we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who is dead has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He, Jesus, is not interested in modifying our behaviors. He has given us new life. And he is causing us to walk in the newness of life. God is only dealing with our new man. Amen? Just turn to your neighbor and say you're dead. You're dead? You're dead and you stink. (laughs) He is causing us to walk in newness of life. He's only dealing with the new man. He's already dealt with the old man. He nailed it to the cross with him. Amen? God, when he looks at us, is only watching to see his righteousness being established in us. He's working in... When I found this out, this was so freeing to me when I came to this revelation. It was freeing to me because I can then just run wholeheartedly after Jesus because he paid it all and I know in him I can get freedom no matter what I'm facing. And that's the life he's called us to. Not to be conscious of what I'm not doing, but to be conscious of what he's working in me. Thank you, Lord. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which now I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. We're not dealing 
with sin anymore. Sin was nailed to the cross. We may deal with habits, but God's not dealing with your sin anymore. Your anger, he already paid the price for that. It's not an anger problem. It's that now he wants to turn it into tender kindness in you. Your depression, he's not going to deal with your depression anymore. Now what he wants to do is instill peace into you. He's working in the peace. I pray as I speak this this morning that something right now by the Holy Spirit would begin to be triggered in your life. That there would just be a shift right now. That the focus would be taking off what you're doing and it would be put on what Jesus did for you and what God has done for us. He's not dealing with your frustration. I can attest to this one. I, I get, I'll be honest, in, in traffic in Victoria, he deals with me every day. I'm dying, and I'm so thankful because I want to be like him. I want to be like him. Amen. He's teaching patience, and the list goes on. We must give ourselves room, and we must give each other room. We must let honor raise, uh, reign in our homes. We must let the mind of Christ live within us. And we're in this together. God wants to use us for his kingdom together. And it, these are days when we don't shrink back. When you go through difficulties, Jerry was sharing today. I just thank you, Jerry. Thank you. You don't shrink back. Jesus went through worse. He is acquainted with our suffering. And he will see us through. He will see you through. Your life is not meant to be mediocre. It's not meant to be mediocre. You are not meant to just be a survivor. You're meant to be a thriver. And we heard it today, and I believe it with all my heart. The waters underneath are just starting to bubble. And look out to see what God is going to do in your life, in Victoria, in our church. He is on the move. These aren't just some flippant, flighty things that are said. This is the Spirit of God. And I believe with all our heart, if we align ourselves with what He wants to do and say, we're going to see what we've desired. Because how can we make up or even dream up these desires in us? unless they were God-planted. Don't grow weary. Don't grow disheartened. Let God 
use us to fulfill his, his presence and his plan for us. Could we stand together? I just want to pray. I just uh, want to encourage us in something quickly before we pray here. As I've been hearing Daryl this morning, I think it's a very key word in, in season here. We, we're on a s- series of stewardship, and I think it's an incredibly powerful um, piece of scripture that he's unpacked this morning. And I want to encourage us to go and take the time to, to spend the time in this. Daryl's just literally scratched the surface on a few things this morning. And I hope more than anything, it's just stirred something within us to say, I need to dig a little deeper. I want to encourage you to go and read it across a bunch of the different translations of the Bible. I've been doing that as Daryl's been speaking this morning and just looking at what, what the, the Message Bible says, what the New King James, what the NIV, and, and it's amazing how incredible this is. And I feel to encourage and challenge us a little bit with something here this morning. What this is doing is it's speaking to believers of how to live well together. It's, it's challenging us, it's stirring us, it's encouraging us. And I feel like I want to just highlight two types of people in the room this morning. <laughs> and there's those of us that are the pastoral type that just want to come alongside and love and encourage people and are, are maybe even a little bit nervous. of what, I, I, I can't speak to anyone about my faith. I can't share my testimony. And there's other of us, others of us in the room that are sitting here going, are we done yet? I need to get downtown. I need to go and preach the gospel. I need it. I need it. I need it. I need it. And, and I want to encourage us to both learn to live well together because yeah. we both need each other. And, and this stuff here is vital. I, I've uh, grown up under some amazing ministry, and one of the things that really hit me back some years ago was this. It's more important what you get saved into than what you get saved out of. In other words, this thing here is vitally important. How we live together. So when we go and see someone born again and saved, we better be able to bring them into a family that's learning how to live well together. It takes more courage to be connected and committed in family than it does to leave. It takes more courage to stay and work out our stuff. And too many times I've seen this truth. Wherever you go, there you are. So, Church, I want to encourage and challenge us this morning that the, the Word is meant to stir us to change. The Word is meant to challenge us. The word is even going to offend us at times because it needs to evoke change in us. And sometimes offense is because we just haven't seen something that way before and we don't really like the idea of change. But I feel like what Daryl has shared with us this morning is so critical. He's laid the foundations of saying, this is who we are as believers. This is our identity. We are not sinners saved by grace. We are saints, a brand new creation. Out of that place, now learn how to live well together. Because what hope does our world have if we don't know how to do this well? (laughs) The NIV says that the little subtitle is love in action. (laughs) The the New King James Version, how do you like this? Behave like a Christian. (laughs) The Passion Translation says transformed relationships. (laughs) It says be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of your family. Man, it's hard to live in family together. And if someone hasn't offended you yet, it's going to happen at some point in time if you're actually truly committed to living in family. Let's learn how to live through that, get over it, work through it, 
and find transformation in relationship together. I'm very passionate about this. And when we've got people that are so passionate to get out there and get the lost, get people in to the family to say, this is what true life looks like. Let's remember that that's what we're cultivating and pursuing here right now. And let's all be a part of that. I'm really passionate about this. You might have told. Let me hand it back to you before I carry on. <laughs> no. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. So let's do something. Let's just put the hand. Oh, maybe not. Unless we're living in fear. You know what? Um, if you want, if you're all right, putting a hand and hugging somebody beside you, go for it. If not, then just, uh, just do one of these. Do one of those. I like to pray. Can we pray about this? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the body. Thank you for your bride, which you died for. We are the bride that you're coming back for. And I pray that every day we would be fuller and fuller with your purpose. We would have clearer eyes and open ears to hear what you're saying and doing, Lord. And may we not shrink back. And may we not, Father, in any way step over the cross and malign what you did, Jesus. Malign what you did. I thank you, Lord. Pray peace would reign in our hearts. Love would reign in our hearts, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. Bless my family as we go, Lord. In your name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.